0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans no I tell you but unless you repent you will all perish as they did or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem no I tell you but unless you repent you will all perish just as they did then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May we soak up your grace, O Lord, and extend it in love to all those around us. Amen. On Thursday, our parish administrator, Anne... Let me borrow a copy of her book, a book by Jesuit priest Gregory Boyle called Tattoos on the Heart, a collection of stories of Boyle's ministry with gang members in Los Angeles. In one of the stories, Gregory writes about an evening when he was leaving his office. It was about 8 p.m., and a young man named Willie, who Gregory knew as a peripheral member of a local gang, knocked on his car window, startling him, and asked for some money for dinner. Gregory invited him into his car and told him that his wallet was as empty as Willie's stomach, so the two went looking for an ATM. After Gregory got out of the car at the ATM, Willie mimed to him that he wanted the keys to listen to the radio. And Gregory mimed back, No, just pray. When Gregory returned to the car, Willie was quiet and peaceful. Gregory asked him if he had been praying. Yes. He asked him what he thought of God, and then he asked him what God thought of him, of Willie. As a tear dropped down his face, Willie said that God thought he was fermé which means, could not be one bit better. This young gang member somehow caught a glimpse of the truth of God's love for him, and in that, he was a vessel of God's grace. God's grace may just come into question in today's readings. In the Old Testament lesson, God reveals himself to Moses, sends Moses on a quest to rescue the Israelites from slavery, assures Moses that he will always be with him, and tells Moses who he is. I am who I am, God says. God's grace is all over the story. But I can't help but fast forward in the story to the place where God sends plagues to the Egyptians, torturing them, starving them, and killing their firstborns, because they would not listen to God's messenger, Moses. Who is this God? I am who I am is just not a clear enough answer for me when flanked by violence and punishment. In today's epistle, Paul warned the early church that their ancestors were good and faithful after they were delivered from slavery in Egypt. But then they went astray, and God was displeased. And so they were cut down in the wilderness. Paul reminded the early church that 23,000 of their ancestors who were sexually immoral were struck down in one day. Yikes. Sadly, this is not an ancient theme of sin leading to punishment. How often have you heard or even thought negative things about the suffering of sex workers, welfare recipients, prisoners? Things about these people being responsible for their own suffering. Where is God's grace in this? Thankfully, Jesus takes on the theme of sin and punishment in today's gospel. He cited people who have suffered and told his listeners that, contrary to popular belief, these people did nothing to deserve their suffering. But he also says that if we judge sinners who suffer, and if we say they suffered because they were sinful then we too will perish as they did. Jesus seems to be saying just because God isn't striking us down for our sins, which God isn't, doesn't mean we get off scot-free. When we harm ourselves or others, when even our thoughts about another are violent rather than loving, we do suffer. Not because God reaches down to smite us, but because we have caused our own lives and souls to fall out of union with God's grace. Jesus was perhaps trying to sever the link between sin and suffering that we as a people were, and often still are, so married to. Throughout our Judeo-Christian history, we have been writing about, preaching about, and believing in a God who punishes us, who causes floods to eradicate the world of sinners, who kills the enemy's firstborn, who makes an example of people who have done the wrong thing so as to scare others into better behavior. This view of God makes God a God of violence, not a God of grace. A few months ago at Diocesan Convention, Bishop Shaw invited each church... To commit to actively doing something to eradicate violence in Boston, in the world, everywhere around us. This was in response to the murder of a young man named George, who was active in our diocese and in the Be Safe program for much of his life. He was shot down while taking his dog for a walk outside of his house in Dorchester. At convention, we responded by unanimously voting to do something as a church about violence. How can we live into that commitment unless we eradicate violence in our theologies, our hearts, our ways of thinking, speaking, and reacting to one another? On Friday night, I was driving down Mass Ave in Arlington, and I saw a man in a crosswalk yelling at the driver of a white van who almost drove across the crosswalk, not seeing that there was a pedestrian present. The pedestrian was waving one of the orange flags provided by the town of Arlington at some of our most dangerous crosswalks. After yelling with great passion and anger at the now-stopped van, the man threw the orange flag at the van and continued to curse and spit. I was shocked, but I was also ashamed because he was effectively shaming all of us who have ever neglected to notice a pedestrian walking across a crosswalk, and he represented the anger in each of us when we are pedestrians and our safety is jeopardized by a driver who neglects to stop. I don't know how many drivers have received my protective mama bear glare as I've crossed the road with my children and noticed that a car is not stopping. This man showed me how insidious and universal violence is when we neglect to be vessels of God's grace. Grace is the antidote to violence. When God's grace is at work, we cannot violate one another. We can only love. When we know that God is grace, we cannot imagine a God who is violent. Only a God who is love. Today's readings hint at a God of violent, shaming revenge. A God who might throw an orange flag at us and spit if we disappoint. Can't you feel the disease in that? Because doubts about God's loving nature and questions of whether or not we are really safe offering our imperfect selves to this God abound when we forget that God's grace awaits all of us on the other side of our rationalizing and judgment. Thankfully, gracefully, Beyond our small human explanations, God's grace remains. When we glimpse God's grace, and especially when we allow ourselves to be a vessel for God to pour grace into, we cannot help but fall in love with this God. Did you hear how in love the psalmist must have been with God, the psalmist who wrote today's psalm? Three times the writer of the psalm speaks of his or her soul, which in Hebrew is the throat, the vulnerable center of self. My soul thirsts for you. My soul is content in you. My soul clings to you. This writer, I am convinced, was seeped in God's grace and knew what it was to be in love. ...with a fully loving God. A God that does not play by human rules of judgment and punishment and control. A God who rejoices in our loving, restorative, grace-filled behavior... ...when we are open to letting God take us there. And who persistently calls us back to our nature... ...when we think, act, or theologize violently... As a gang member, I will guess that Gregory Boyle's friend, Willie, had times of violence in his life. But based on his ability to perceive God's grace, I would also guess that he had allowed God to call him away from violence often enough to be seeped in grace, to fall in love with God, to rely on God's gentle love. When Gregory asked Willie what he thought of God, Willie's answer was, that's my dog right there. Dog, if you don't know, in slang means the one upon whom you can rely, the one who has your back. That's my dog right there. Willie did not perceive a punitive God. Willie perceived a God he could rely on. He perceived a God of grace. Jesus showed us a God of grace. The psalmist was in love with a God of grace. Throughout the ages, a God of grace has been present and self-revealing. May we open our eyes and ears and lives to be vessels into which God may pour the infinite supply of love that awaits us. May we know we are safe with this God. May we combat violence out of love for one another. And in this, may grace abound. Amen.